Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Johto PR. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy, and uh, good morning, Carla Jo Helms. Good morning. Hi, guys. Um, today, we'll be talking with Jory Desjardins uh, of the at company about big tech and privacy. And that's probably the last time I'll try to say your, your last name on this episode. Um, but uh, Jory's the CMO at the at company, uh, where they work to put control of online data into the hands of people. And she's also a VC in residence at the W Fund, where she works to get resources to talented, underfunded founders. So Jory, mm-hmm. thank, you for, uh, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So big topic, big topic, big, big in the news, big everywhere right now, big tech and privacy. So right off the bat, um, talking about data. Yeah. I have a note here about first party data, second party data, third party data, and zero party data. Can you explain to the listeners what all those are so they have some oh, yeah. kind of, uh, context? Well, zero party data is something that we... Uh, we were riffing on zero part or uh, zero knowledge networks, which is a term for uh, deeply technical people who are into security. And I'll I'll get back to that in a minute. Yes, first party data is uh, it's kind of like the holy grail of data if you're a marketer, right? This is the kind of data you get because someone is engaging in with your product and they are giving you this data. Here is. Uh, my age, here is where I live. Because if you're going to send me that product that I am buying from you, I guess you need to know that, right? Yeah. This is the data that we've opted in. This is like your CRM data for customers, active prospects, that kind of stuff. Right. It's kind of our our bread and butter (laughs) for for marketers, right? Uh, So second party data, that is the data you get from someone else. So that person didn't necessarily buy anything from you, but you got that really good, rich data from another source. It's still good data, but it's not really your data. Uh, Third-party data. So wait a second. Where does, uh, like uh, newsletter signups, would that be in the first-party category? Yeah. It's an opt-in, yes, directly. I want to sign up for your newsletter. So here's my data. What's what's an example of second-party data? Second-party data is when you buy a list. Like what my company oh. does, selling lists. Okay. Purchase <laughs> okay, good. list. Yes. That's okay, good. We're only second. List. I was worried we were going to okay. be down in like the fifth party data. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's second party data. Third party data. Now this is the, this is, think about cookies, right? This is in the news. This is where we are starting to get a little iffy about the data. Um, third party, so a, a great example of that is I'm on Chrome browser and I have been, I've been uh, shopping on a site and I know I'm looking for a couch. This actually happened to me. So I will use a real example, shopping for a couch. And then I went over to go check my Yahoo mail because I actually still get some Yahoo mail. This is where I put all of my shopping. Whenever they say, oh, can we send you more mail? I send it to my Yahoo mail. Uh, And I see ads for that couch that I was shopping for yeah. in my Yahoo mail. So that's a cookie, right? That's the, the ads that, that follow you. That's third party data. What's right. the second so, party? So wait, second third party, party data is stalking basically. <laughs> yeah. Retargeting. Party, can we use the, can yeah. we use a better term? <laughs> second party data is data that I gave to another party deliberately that has now been shared with someone. That's second party data. The third purchase party data. data not to, yeah. yeah. The third party oh yeah, data, oh yeah, that's right. The not list, deliberate. The list. Okay, got it. Right. Okay. So third party data. I'm shopping on this site, but I didn't say to this site, "Hey, tell this other company that I'm looking for this couch." Right? They just took the data and then they sold yeah. that data. So yeah. it's not deliberate. And this is where people are starting to get uh, a little more sensitive. And we know about the Google sunsetting third party cookies. This is why it's it was never uh, intended to be offered up in the first place. That's third party data. I see that. And I say, and I've, we've, this has come up in a couple different podcasts recently. Um, I don't believe Google is sunsetting the cookies because they think it's not right because they think it's a data violation. What do you think they're sunsetting it for? 
the cookies are marketers use them openly. They can collect information. Without the cookies, you have to go to where the information is now, which is Google AdWords. They have their data internally. They collect it and keep it. And then they sell you access to those people. You're still going to want to retarget your ads. Now, Google can help you retarget your ads. That's what Google stuff is. Um, and now you have to go to them instead of whatever marketing agency has these retargeting capabilities. And I guess that brings me to Joy. question for you. Um, yeah. Who's the bigger bad guy in this, in the data privacy issue space? Second Company, or third? Yeah, like but, well, <laughs> big tech companies like Google and, and Facebook and all the big tech and social media companies or data companies like my company. And I would say we actually fall into both the second and third party because we are uh, a combination of any type of data sources. We are not only getting things like magazine subscription signups um, that's a, that get pushed through information like that, but there's data mining. All data companies like ours collect data from online. They collect publicly available information. They collect usually information from many different sources. So it's not all something that somebody opted into somewhere and then it ended up in a list. It can very well be something that was just, I mean, you could say they opted in by putting it online publicly, um, but I would, we probably fall into both second and third. So who's worse, my company <laughs> or, or social media companies? Wow, this feels like a very existential question. Um, I'm not gonna say who's, who's worse. I will say that big tech started this party right? We just all ended up going to it. Big tech and so, started, it. Um, started it. Yeah, <laughs> they started the party. And I think uh, it, is, it is contingent upon them to help solve the problem. Yeah. But what I think, and you alluded to this earlier, what I think is a bit disingenuous is that they are cutting off all the people that they invited to the party, right? We right. now we're going to the party and now you're cutting us off, right? So yeah. they- I think, and to be fair to Google, they are looking at ways of including, and they have something called the privacy sandbox, which is to find ways of uh, basically getting us back into the party, but doing so with new rules. Um, I would but say that said, they did cut some people off. There's almost zero chance anything they do, or a less than zero chance anything they do um, has a negative impact on their revenues. I don't think it has. Right. I mean, it's going to have a Facebook. positive. And that's where I say they're not doing this to be, to say, oh, what's the right thing to do with people's data? It's going yeah. to have a positive impact on their revenue um, because they're very conveniently getting rid of things that people use instead of their service. Because now people have learned to compete with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it'll be interesting to see next quarter results. So Q2 results, financials, or excuse me, Q1 reported uh, just last week, I think for Amazon, for Facebook, for Google, were outstanding. I mean, like blew previous numbers out of the water. It'll be interesting to see how things play out next quarter. Uh, yeah. And after cookies are sunsetted, I think that's going to be towards the end of the year. Let's see what that looks like. Um, if, if what you say is true, it really won't have any impact at all. Well, I think it will have the impact in that Google's revenues will go way up because more people are pushed into Google AdWords because now they can't retarget outside of that. The regular- well, you know, they are saving a billion on remote workforce now. That article just came out. They're mm -hmm. saving a billion per year now of having remote workers. Did you guys know that? That just came out in the news. They actually want their people to come back. I think because they bought about a billion- dollars in in real estate <laughs> <laughs> well that billion dollar savings can pay for that right yeah. yeah it's a wash it's a wash um so let's go back to the central topic big tech and privacy obviously there's this uh documentary that came out in i believe in the last year the social dilemma yes is kind of all about this topic so we say privacy it's really it's big tech data privacy and really more social media and data privacy um, are there other big techs that have a data privacy issue? Well, yes, uh, is the short answer. I think, though, that some are uh, more readily looking for solutions, right? But there's different kinds of problems. Like I look at, at Amazon, who they have a lot of first-party data, and I've given them my data, 
Why? Because I want to make sure that the products I am ordering arrive at my house. Right. Um, it's really helpful that they know that I bought this product so that when I want to replenish that product, I can easily go ahead and, and replenish that product. So from that standpoint, I think it makes perfect sense that there's cookies involved, et cetera. However, if you look at Amazon, like the marketplace of Amazon and others that they're bringing in who are using and leveraging the Amazon network, they now have data on the sales that you're making as a, as a distributor. And now they go, all right, this, this particular company is doing really, really well. Let's compete with that company. So oh, now, wow. yeah, that's against, a bit unfair, right? Yeah. So they're that's saying right. their internal sellers um, are, if somebody's making a lot of money, they say there's opportunity for us to come and take some of their business as a direct they have competitor. Access to sales data. Yes. Oh, and wow. they have done that in, in categories. Uh, there's a lot of reporting on that. Right. So there are other ways that the data can be leveraged. So, I mean, Amazon, basically, you're talking about a company that has data and sure there could be data privacy issues with data leaks or something like that. But theirs is purely for customer experience is the purpose of the collection. And that what you're saying, it could be used in some internal nefarious ways, but it's not like they're retargeting or selling for political campaign ads or there's not a lot of ad stuff going on. It's all internal, right? Like, hey, you bought this product. Maybe we'll show you. It's ads, but only inside Amazon. So I don't know the very latest of the ad tech story for Amazon. I do know that they know your, your buying data. And so I'm a former media person and I used to work with Amazon for ads that were based on people's buying habits. So mm -hmm. if I knew that someone had bought that makeup in the past, they would be a good person to market that makeup to in the mm -hmm. future, right? So Amazon knows your buying habits and can actually target ads that way through their, uh, their ad technology. So are those so not only targeted in Amazon, like you might also want to buy this, but are you going to see ads yeah. if you search a product in Amazon outside of Amazon, just in your browser? Yeah, they have ads that work that way. Oh, interesting. So they're yeah. much like, they are more like Google than I was thinking. They do have that data and then they, it can be used for retargeting. Yeah. Yes. I think they're third though in the ad tech marketplace. So there's less heat on them in that regard. I think there's more heat on Amazon in terms of the seller marketplace and the exposure of seller data. Mm. Oh, interesting. Uh, so I didn't think yeah. it's this weird intercompetition thing going on when you create a marketplace, but you're also selling in that marketplace. You don't usually right. see that you either own the marketplace or because nobody wants to go into a marketplace and sell a product when the person who owns the marketplace is competing directly with them. Yeah, I mean, that's just a that's weird, right. I guess I'd say nobody except for the biggest business in the world has people that's been doing going this, on for so. a long time <laughs> in so many industries, though. I mean, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, antitrust. Yeah, kind of totally. To, or to maybe that's their way of preventing antitrust. They're like, no, there's a lot of other sellers in our marketplace. I mean, we control them and dominate them, but we're competing with all these other people. It's a marketplace. Look, that's right. Interesting. Okay. So data privacy, big tech, I got to keep coming, uh, trying to stay focused and coming back to this. You said big tech started it all because they're collecting all the data, right? It's kind of natural, big tech, you're gonna collect the data, you wanna use it. Um, social media is probably the biggest player in this. Is the biggest issue that people are, I mean, is it like a boiled frog thing where we're basically, we've slowly given away our privacy and so nobody's stealing anything, we just got conned out of it. <laughs> well, I think that we we saw this Faustian Bergen and we thought, well, Tech is really convenient. I get my entertainment from here. I get information from here. I can get things sent to me in two days because of it. And I realized that I have to, in order to get this convenience entertainment uh, delight from the internet, I have to give something away. And that was just the bargain that we struck. I recall actually maybe two plus years ago, remember the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal? Yes. Where yes. it was discovered that Facebook had been selling your data to basically uh, help rig elections. <laughs> that, was, that was maybe one of the first touch points where people were like, well, wait a minute. I didn't right. say you could do that. 
but we had already signed our privacy policies and we're thinking, well, I've, this and is nobody reads them. Yeah. You don't read them. They're, they're long, they're boring. You don't understand them, but I really like to be connected to my friends. So right. I'm going to just find this policy because right now the choice is sign it or don't use it. Don't right. use the service. So right. you do that. And I remember around the Cambridge Analytica scandal for the first time myself being in the industry and understanding what happens with data, thinking like, oh, wow, maybe it's being used for things that I wouldn't want it to be used for. Yeah. Not just for my own benefit and my own user experience, right. but for things like campaigns, <laughs> political campaigns. So that was when, and also the social dilemma the, the uh, documentary on Netflix yeah. also just raised our awareness like a hundredfold about how our data was being used in ways that we had, one, never given permission for, but two, just were, were never aware of. I mean, had no idea that, oh, wow, you're also taking my data so that you can say, wow, you know, she just broke up with her boyfriend. Maybe if we send these ads, she'll be more attuned to that. Let's keep yeah. her on. Let's keep her, let's, let's use that again. Yeah, and then it starts getting super private. And then you then, start worrying yeah. about healthcare, it, you know, the, the, yeah. They made it really creepy with those three. Oh weirdos. yeah, with the marionettes, like. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the three weirdos that were like yeah. joking yeah. about messing with <laughs> you and stuff really and high-fiving when they manipulated you. And right, right. I mean, right. honestly, I don't think there's someone at Facebook that's that, you know, is like sitting here at Mission Control. I but I do think that um, the system Makes you has think, been, though. Yeah, it does make you think. And it and it got to a point where just because you can do it, should you? Right. Well, and I think their thing right. is, I don't know, does it make us more money? Because that's our imperative is to make it's almost like big tech is in itself an A.I., you have intelligent people in there, but they're all working like these independent algorithms and they all have one goal and it is not ethics. It's what raises our stock value, what makes more money. That is our sole goal every day when we go to work. And there is no such thing as, yeah, but what about this data? What about, yeah. like, what do you mean? What about there's one imperative to this AI that we've created as that that's a whole company make money. That's it. Whatever whatever results in making more money at the end of the day, selling all of our data behind the scenes to a third party that's going to maybe not rig an election, but use unethical and possibly illegal things to influence an election. Um, well, it's a bit naive, naive for us to think that we're giving our data away and things like this wouldn't happen, you know, in hindsight, right? I don't think we had any um, anything to, to base that assumption on prior right. to now, right? No. I mean- I would say historically, we didn't have anything directly, but as somebody who comes from a small town and then having moved to a city as a people, I think we were a bit of a country mouse because technology is moving so fast. There's a handful of people who understand what can be done with it. There's value there. Most of us don't know it. We just moved into this big city and it's all buzzing around us so fast and people are going to take advantage of us. We have this thing that's valuable and we don't even know it. And so they're going to come up and say, hey, can I have that? And you're like, yeah, yeah. cool. I trust everybody because sure. I'm a country mouse. And sure. next thing you know, <laughs> they're out there making all this. And it's like the cat's out of the bag. What can we do? What can we do with data? Is this something that can be turned around? So we mentioned the first three. Yeah. I'm throwing like 50 questions at you. Um, we mentioned the first three, first party data, second party data, third party data. What about zero party data? Zero party data. So yeah. this, this um, the founders of the ad company actually um, they've been working in data for many, many, many years, like technologists um, who have been in the industry, have seen it from the enterprise and startups. And what they realized, the big aha moment for them was when they realized that, well, if you were always in control of your data, it's not about the data. The data, I love you used an analogy earlier, right? About fire. It's like fire is not inherently good or bad. It's how you use it, right? Right. Data can be put to good use it's about who controls it and how it's being used, right? So data is just data. It's the intention behind its yeah. use that becomes. And I guess we yeah. trusted all, we were country right. mice. We trusted all these companies. Right. Like, yeah, sure. Hey, yeah, sure. Have this, have that, know this, right. know that. And then. Right. So, the, so the idea behind zero party data is that um, data isn't inherently good or bad, but if it's in our control, we're more likely to want to put it to use. So if I own my data and you third party says, Hey, can I 
can I have some of that data? And here's what you will get for it. And it's very clear and it's in your control. You never give it to me. You just let me borrow it, right? You just let me have right. access to it. You're more likely to say yes. <laughs> and if I have more control over what I'm getting, in other words, instead of just having ads sent to me, I can say in essence through the technology, I am interested in this, this, and this, send me things that are of interest to me, then I am more open to having that relationship. I right. think that right now we have this general mistrust of these companies and of these ads because they've been pushed to us. Even if they were things that, you know, statistically speaking, were up my alley, it's creepy that you're sending me, you know, like, can, could you imagine here, here's a great example of how, uh, how it works right now. Okay. If I went to my doctor, if we were to take third-party cookies and apply them in a real life setting, all right, let's just say I went to my gynecologist, had an appointment, <laughs> <A> good one, <laughs> had an appointment. And then I go to the CVS and someone comes up to me and says, Hey, I hear you're trying to get pregnant. Right. Right. I would be like, say what? Freaked out. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is what I was talking about. That's what happens we're going to get into that. Yeah, that's coming, right? <laughs> right. That's what happens online. Right. So zero party data is simply that I always control my data, right? So no one is actually, uh, has, has any idea of where I've been. And then when I want it, to say like, hey, I'm looking for something, it's up to me if, if I want to have that conversation in the CVS, but I yeah. have someone coming up to me in the CVS to say- Right, right. And then there's the famous story from back in the day with Target and their their ad. They're figuring out based on buying patterns what to send people and sending the the girl like uh, ads for a bunch of baby stuff. And the dad freaks out and complains to Target, "Why are you sending all this baby stuff to my teenage daughter?" And uh, finds out basically from Target, your daughter's pregnant. And we know that because based on the stuff she's been buying already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And right. then they were like, oops, we better pull this back a little bit. We're freaking people out with. Uh, so so you're basically saying zero party is almost like CCPA, um, the California Consumer Protection Act, where you have yeah. control over yeah, seeing for individually, right? who you've sold the data to if you have our data, whether I can say you're not allowed to have that anymore. Um, like you own your data, but can license out the intellectual property maybe uh the the ccpa i guess you could say that zero party data would be the enactment of the ccpa if we truly could get our data back right if but it's always in our control the thing about uh, a lot of this regulation that's out now gdpr ccpa all of it is very well intentioned it's there to protect the the customer but the problem is that the horse is out of the barn, right? Your data is already out there. And so if you were to actually enforce your right to be forgotten and to say, hey, I want my data back, a company may say, okay, that means that we'll, we'll give you your data back. They don't really give you anything. And they right. can't actually erase you. It's interesting. They cannot. As a data company, I can talk to this. Um, <laughs> yes, our GDPR comes out and we have all this European contact information. Yeah. We actually delete it for the first time. And people typically don't delete any data. You just mark it as deleted. So you still have it and know it's deleted. Um, but we actually delete it from the servers, European contacts. We didn't necessarily have to. We just didn't want to get into it. And we don't actually sell any European contacts. So it didn't matter. But the dilemma that came up was we said, oh, if we're not going to have European data in our database, we're constantly collecting data we have to constantly watch and see because it's like saying you're not allowed to call these people. You're also not allowed to keep the numbers that you're not allowed to call. So you don't yes. know who you're not allowed to call. And yeah, so you get this weird dilemma of like, oops, I'm not supposed to look at this person, but I don't know that until I look at them. Oh, it's, so it's just a real shit show. So what, so yeah. what do you think? Right. <laughs> it's impossible to actually enforce in the purest sense unless you have zero party data, unless that data was always in the control of the consumer to begin with. Hmm. Now, what about things like uh, you get an app, a flashlight app on your phone for free and you click the privacy terms of use, privacy policy, yes, of course, because you assume, oh, they need to be able to access my phone in order to turn this on. There's some technical thing inside my phone that has to I don't be even think people this, think about that. For this app to but function. Yeah. 
And then you find out, oh no, by clicking that, they're saying, oh yeah, you're giving us access to your phone. You don't realize the whole purpose of the app was to collect all the information constantly on your phone and sell it to ad people or even to collect it to try to steal your credit card information. Like there's a lot of apps that have had that kind of thing going on and people don't realize it. Right, so this is what Apple is trying to solve for with its, um, uh, your IDFA, which mm -hmm. is your, your ID in the Apple phone. Right now, most of these apps use that. And so if you're especially a location-based app, right, they use that data and they can then sell it. So now you get an opt-in in mm -hmm. this latest software release from Apple that basically gives you an opt-in. You can say, I will allow for that or not. But aren't all the apps just going to say, oh, you have to opt in or you can't have the app. And then you're going to be like, oh, but I really want the app. Um, no, because that's about selling your data. I mean, if you're going to okay. get that app, of course your data has to go in there. But this is about selling and sharing your data with another app. So okay. this is about sharing. They're going to make up excuses to be like, oh, this app integrates with this one. So we need to share. And then you opt in. And I'm saying they're going to find well, ways so, around it. I mean, the, the, Facebook is probably the biggest, uh, the most impacted, right, of all, of all the apps. Because they use that data to inform their own advertising. That's their business. That's how they That's make their business. I mean, they're never going to have ads on the site and they never will. But that is their business. That was, if you remember early Facebook, oh yeah, ads are bad. We will never have ads on the site. Never. Maybe they have never. ads on Facebook all the time. Like I get, I'm, right. But for when a they while, started, like everything I bought, was but they started with that premise yeah. that they were yes. never going to do that. Yes. Central yes. premise was the reason we exist is because ads on these social medias are bad and we're never going to have that. And then we got boiled frog one little step at a time. Next thing you know, what's a boiled frog? Yeah. What is that? Oh, you know the saying? Yeah. You could take a pot of boiling water and throw a frog in it, and it's going to get scalded and hop right out. But if you put a frog in a pot of cold water and put a fire under it, the frog will sit in the water until it's dead and cooked because you're slowly <laughs> cooking it, and it never realizes the temperature is getting up until it's already dead. That's basically really? what's been done to us that, by these tech companies. That's okay. Wow. Where did you grow up, KJ? I thought I grew up in the South, but we never talked about boiled frogs. We have lots of like idioms and sayings. Oh, really? yeah. I, I didn't know that the frog would not get out. I just thought it was you're less likely to realize that you're being scalded. Now I feel like it's unethical, gradual. but I want to see that tested and know if it's true. Because I've always assumed it was true. <laughs> you could do the experiment with your daughters. Yeah, right. <laughs> Whoa, KJ. Whoa. Let's do that. Science, all in the name of science. I got two. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're all boiled frogs here. Is there a way to unboil ourselves with this data stuff in that? Yeah, there's a way to jump out of the pot. How do we jump out of the right. pot? Well, I mean, we have our way that we're, that we're building in the world, and that's to make everything zero-party data. It's not going to happen overnight, though, because, of course, our data is already out of the barn, but, uh, but how do we take it back? So the, the way that we're trying to approach this is how do we make user experience uh, still as good as it is now while right. still owning your data? And right now, I mean, when we talk about privacy, privacy, so tricky. Yeah. Ew, you just go, ew, because what do you think of? You think of like those captchas, you know, where they ask you to prove you're human and you're like, oh my God, there's, is there a crosswalk there? I don't know if that's a crosswalk. <laughs> Wait, is that a bicycle? Bicycle. Yeah. Like I hate those. I'm like, is that a bike or that? I mean, there is part of a wheel in there. I, mm. I think and there's a like, chimney in the background somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. The experience is awful. <laughs> it could be a traffic light. It's horrible. And, and also um, passwords and, and all of that. So how and encryption, we... is anything encrypted really anymore? I mean, really? It, it is, but but end-to-end -end encryption, like that's WhatsApp, right? And that's part of the allure of a WhatsApp. And then as soon as they said that, oh, we're going to change our policy, people moved over to Signal. But encryption is really critical to security, but it's not fully end-to-end -end encrypted if the other company can see you. So that's kind of the problem with, with that is mm. that we don't quite understand privacy. We just know that it's a lot of these little tests and things we have to do, and it's not fun. And so we just go, well, the hell with it. I'm just going to give you my data and let's hope and pray that you don't do anything with it. So that's not a really sustainable model, we feel. So the idea here is if we can create 
really good user experience that is inherently compliant because you own the data, then people will gradually move into those experiences. Yeah. Um, and we're not the only ones doing this. I mean, there's, we call it the alternative internet. There's many companies that are trying to create fully private experiences. Look at DuckDuckGo, right. you know, some of these applications that are saying like, look, we're not going to track you. I love, so no you're way. saying the best way to change it is not through trying to force people to behave a certain way, but through, it sounds like competition. Well, people are going to go where there's the least amount of friction. I mean, we've talked about that before right. with many other things. They're going to go where there's the least amount of friction and to hell with all the rest of it. Cause I've got my present time situation. I got to handle right now. And but, so I'm going mean, to, I'm going to hold my nose and dive in and do it. Right. The problem so is kind of solved. If you have another Facebook and you have another Google and they have all the exact same services, but these companies are like, we don't sell your data. We don't do this. We don't do that. People would, why are people all still on Facebook? Cause there's nowhere else to go. Like that's where everybody is. It's if there was a Facebook mirror out there that was just like, we're just like Facebook. In fact, we've stolen all of their layout and everything. It looks exactly the same, just a different logo. And we don't steal your data. People would jump over in a heartbeat. And that's well, just competition. That's saying you have right. another option that's not abusing you in this way. I would say that there is also this issue of, I mean, it's a human thing, right? If, if no one is over there yet, you're not going to go. And I think there is, we're getting closer to the tipping point, right? right? Where people are saying like, even I was knowing what I know, I still am on Facebook because all my friends are there. Like I still want to communicate with them or if I want to promote something right. for the company, we know that people are on Facebook, but I but think- But there's also not the alternative. You said yes. tipping point, but you once you get fed up, it's either leave or nothing. It's So I say, hey, Bill Gates, I heard you have a lot of free time on your hands now. <laughs> yeah. You want to do some yeah. good, do it through competition. Just make a Facebook clone and be like, come on over. We don't make, we're nonprofit. We make zero money, but we do the same thing. And then Facebook will either have to get its stuff. Like competition is the best way to fix things. Once people have to compete, they behave. Once there's an alternative you can right. go to when you're like, hey, I, wait, wait, I don't want to use a wife analogy. My wife will hear this and be pissed. Um, you say, look, my, my boyfriend or girlfriend is not so nice as this person over here. I think I'm going to hop over, hop ship over there. But if there's only two people left on the earth, you're kind of stuck. Um, there's just no alternative. Right? Totally right. Well, we also need a better business model, right? So even if we did have a Facebook alternative that was entirely private, how would we monetize that? I mean, innovation has to be funded. I'd say so, you don't. Bill you know, Gates creates it. It's nonprofit. It's not, that's the thing. It's don't monetize. That easy. Like step that in. That you still have to fundraise. Well, when you're a multi-billionaire trying to give away all your money, I'd say, why not give away this high percentage of your money by creating something that solves one of the greatest problems that first world countries have with social media and data privacy? And you just send this big signal like, hey, any industry gets out of line enough, I'm going to take my billions of dollars. And since I'm bored and single, I'm just going to make a clone of what you do and make it nonprofit. And now all of a sudden people have a sword hanging over their heads. I think more sustainably. Um, and, and this does lead to a lot of questions about how to do this. And there's a lot of policymaking even being made today about this, but I think you have to look at subscription models and models where people like pay for that. You have to pay for privacy. Not everyone can necessarily afford it. And our models should account for that so that people who opt to pay for it can pay for it. And people who don't, don't. The other thing that we look at, we call it offers, not ads. And it's not just about ads. It's actually, uh, it's an opt-in model where we say, look, um, here's what I'm interested in. And an advertiser or a company would pay to have access to that data my opt-in data, all my preferences versus like, hey, you found out through other means that I, you know, I'm looking for this product and kind of sneaking in through the back door. It's, just, this, it's front door advertising. Is this kind of like a version of uh, if you regularly visit your local liquor store during COVID times, maybe the guy who works behind the counter knows your name because you've told him your name and you want him to be able to say, hey, Sky, how's it going? Hey, Joey, how's it going? Hey, KJ. 
or maybe he doesn't because you kind of want to be anonymous when you're buying another handle of vodka. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. But if I were to say to, to Kate, to whoever, to whoever is owning this liquor store, KJ, fine. (laughs) That's fine. Um, I'm interested in this and this and this, when you get it, call me. And then that's a different thing. Right. So that's in essence, the, the idea is if, I have given you access and I've given you permission, then I'm more likely to be receptive. Right. And I think that's worth buying. So have you heard of Brave Browser? Not Brave Browser, no. What is that? So Brave Browser is a, it's a privacy browser. So uh, there's Firefox is another one, but Brave right. is one that was originally, it's expanded beyond this, but the whole idea was, uh, and how it first generated interest, I think there's about 30 million downloads of Brave Browser, uh, is that they, they had something called a token, a BAT, it's a basic attention token. And the token would work this way. I would agree to watch ads and I would get tokens for that. So in other mm. words, I'm opting into that versus you just sending me advertising that I didn't want. Okay. A, or you can have an ad-free experience, but you just wouldn't get right. tokens. Back. Now, what about just going back to the old model of these fixed channels where you're going to watch a TV program and the ads they're going to display, they're going to display, and they know nothing about you except for with this content, you're more likely to be interested in these products. It's a worse customer experience, right? I mean, we all, we all say like, oh, wouldn't it be great if when I was watching TV, I only saw the ads I'm interested in. Show me more beer and beef jerky ads and less feminine products, please. Um, and then we're like, but my data privacy. And again, it comes down to the customer experience versus, so how do we tailor our world and still have privacy? And what about this idea of what's the big deal with privacy? There's data breaches. You don't want people having your credit card information and fraud and right. stuff like that. But so right. what? People are targeting you based on your on your needs. It's kind of what you were talking about, saying I'm interested in this. You said you're interested in it. You just didn't like like we figured it out. You didn't tell us. I think there's something inherently creepy about that. Yeah. If I did yeah. not explicitly tell you. And hey, I I was in the ad business in the media world, right? So I I existed uh, bread and butter. Of, of our advertising business was in assuming things, especially as programmatic right. and, and more database advertising. So I get it, but I think, I think we're ready for something new. I think the world is realizing that, wow, it can be taken to an extreme and that freaks me out. I guess one of the things that people always assume with this stuff, when you say like, Hey, it's, you know, it's a free world. Why not? You have your, you can make whatever choice you want is we think that everybody has and ourselves have way more um, ownership over our decisions than possibly we do. We all think we're smarter. We all think everybody else is smarter. We don't realize, you know, you're saying like- We hey, think everybody make... else is smarter or we think everybody else is less smart than us? Uh, uh, well, when it comes down, when people come and say things like, people are free to make whatever choice they want, let people make their choice, it's their decision. Um, and then you're like, oh, well, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's not good that they're going into old folks' home and tricking people with dementia. They're like, oh, I guess this is bad also. And I guess I guess I have a visitor. Um, <laughs> Daddy's making recording, Sugar. If you can close the door, please. It's okay. I, I had one earlier. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I lost my train. Oh, you basically, you say, oh, everybody's so responsible that they can make their own decisions. And it's kind of this Ayn Rand it's the wild west. And if you get shot in the street, that's, you know, that's your destiny and that's your choice and you're responsible for yourself so much, but we're all susceptible to be manipulated and conned and saying being conned is completely legal because, Hey, you fell for it. That's your fault is kind of, you know, where do we draw that line at how much is somebody allowed to con you? And some people say, Hey, that's, you got conned. It's on you. And others say, any type of manipulation is, is, is not okay, but there's right. a line somewhere in there. That's maybe, maybe it moves a little all the time, but that's kind of the, well, that's kind of like car insurance in Florida. It's no fault. So mm. somebody, somebody rams you in the back, their fault, but it's no fault. <laughs> it's oh, really? By like, default, there's no fault. There's no fault. I, yeah. So it kind of sucks. Yeah. Right. Ayn Rand is well, the governor. If of you're Florida. a bad driver, it's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, so you're right. There's a continuum. And, and even with partners that we've, that we've been going to market with, we've seen that there's a continuum. Some folks feel like, hey, at least I should be paid for my data. Some people are like, you never should have had my data to begin with, right? There's, there's a continuum along this line. I think that we're still trying to create that line. Um, Can't you have different options, like the ideal world, because that's what we're talking about. Can't you have different options? You know, yes, I'd like to be paid for it. I'd like this, I'd like whatever. And then those that would pay for it, you know, they would get that, uh, you know, those particular services, those that, you know, like they could have an opt-in, right? For what they wanted. If the marketplace, and that's what Joy's company is doing, if the marketplace creates options, then you have them. But telling companies you have, and that's where I'm saying, if yeah, we don't have options now, Bill Gates, let's go create an option for us, please. Like the whole point of not having monopolies is to have different options so you can choose versus telling companies you have to have all these different options. Right, but we're in this period right now of educating the public. I think very few people, you're in in, in data, that's your business, right? So yeah. you understand these, these granularities and we're only just getting up to speed collectively as a society on what's happening to our data. Well, that's I think a that's big why, campaign. Yeah. That's well, that's big... why the social dilemma was so important, yeah. I think, for just putting it in, in a very human light. A big yeah. boost in it, making people as maybe as scared as they should be about this stuff. Like people, we were still getting boiled and cool with it. And you're like, you're getting boiled. <laughs> <laughs> you're oh, the frog. Crap. So I want right. to do a little bit of a speed round here with you, Joy. Well, we, we're, we're quickly running out of time. Um, data privacy laws. We've got CAN-SPAM in the US. We've got CASEL in Canada. We've got GDPR in Europe. We got the CCPA in California. Which one is your favorite? And if any, do you think any of them have gotten it right? Um, Good question. I think they all are great harbingers. I don't think any of them have it right yet. And the reason for that is exactly what we were just talking about. It's impossible to actually enforce now mm. the way that our the way the internet works now. You, you can't. So that's why the other the other uh, accomplishment that we're we're working on is by making this provably true that you are GDPR compliant. How do you do that? Only if the customer owns their data. If there's any situation where the third party can store your data you're out of compliance it you right. can't you can't because you're do out of control yeah but then if right. the third party can't store your data we're back to the dilemma of it's almost like okay government if you want to have that kind of law you have to provide a hashed um accessible database to anybody of people who've opted out that you're not supposed to have the information and then you have to be allowed to have it long enough to, or everyone that's storing data has to have a hashed version. And before you accept it, it's got to be checked against this. You've got to have a whole system put in place just to say, hey, you are not, you know, yes. just to try to enact this, this men in black version of you need to forget me. Sorry, that's just not right. how humans or computers work. I read a stat somewhere that companies pay anywhere between one and $2,000 per customer to help uh, enact that. So if any one customer speaks up and says, hey, I want my data back. Yeah. They have to be able to, to fulfill on that. And they're currently not. So they have to go basically to hell and back with your data to, to right. make that happen as you were describing that process earlier. So the problem that creates in the market is certain businesses are no longer feasible because the cost just to be compliant is greater than the value of the customer. Right. So now you just destroyed, and I think Canada destroyed a bunch of business yeah destroyed a bunch of business there's certain things where they're like why is the u.s so good at startups well because we don't create this wall this barrier to entry that makes it impossible for you to create certain companies i mean canada says you can't email somebody unless they opt in first and yet half of the companies that provide email delivery services are located in canada it's true So they're they're all blasting out of canada but you can't send into canada it's yeah it's, it's so hip, it's, it's hip, hip critical. And then it as is. soon as they passed that law, Canada, the businesses all started complaining that they were overwhelmed with phone calls. 
because the marketing is going to happen somewhere. People say, well, we can't email them. Now let's start cold calling them. And then people forget, right? So they yeah. forget that they opted in. So that was another issue. And then you well, have to so, enforce it. And it's, it's just um, a weird shit show. I feel like I we got it right with can spam in the US. Companies actually don't want, I don't want to say across the board, many companies want to own your data, but many of them don't. And, and our founders were at a conference recently where the, the CIO of Bank of America just said, hey, if you can think of a way where we don't have to own the data, I'm in. Right. Like, we, we don't want to have to have that There's too much liability with it. Yeah. You're, you're yes, talking about a big liability. company that needs the data for some internal purposes, but they're not using it and selling it like social media, they're not doing selling it for ad stuff and those kind of things. But then there's all the companies that they need it. Like my company, we don't not want the data. That's kind of our whole business. That's what we do. We are a data company. You know, we are one of the, the forks on that evil pitchfork of we're selling data. We're in this weird, this weird area. Um, okay. Anything we're, we're right up at the end here. I want to make sure anything we want to cover this has been a fascinating episode and we've barely scratched the surface on this stuff, but what are we missing? What have we not discussed so far? How do we become more data reliant, uh, self-reliant, I should say. Self-reliant. Data self-reliant. So of course we have a platform that is trying to make that change, but we've got a long way to go. And I would just say for, for people who are looking for solutions, just look at these alternative internet solutions. Of course, there's the ad company. We have apps that are um, where you can own your own data. But I mean, there are so many companies right now that are emerging and doing this across search, across email, across browsers, um, and explore that and start to increase. Because I think that's really how you're going to make the point to to uh, to big tech that this is a preference. Right. As soon as they lose users and money, they change. That's how the market is going to work. You're not going to force them. That's how it always works. You make a law that says you can't yeah. do this. They're going to find a way around it to exploit it, to manipulate it, to make sure it doesn't get enforced. Um, so we, oh my God, I just realized we didn't even really touch on you and your company um, we've blown through this, this hour, uh, tell us the ad company. Can you tell me more yeah, about tell it? Tell us more about it. Apps. Can you, what kind of apps well, do you make? So, well, we make consumer apps. We have two betas that are currently in market. Um, and one of them is a, you could create your version of like an about me page that is not tracked unless you want it to be by a browser. Uh, and that only includes the information you want. Imagine how search works now. You can find all kinds of stuff about yourself that you never wanted on the internet. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. it's there. So uh, that was our first prototype that we put into market so people could start playing with that. And an app called AtBuzz, which kind of looks at the contacts app and turns it on its head. What if you had just the contacts you wanted, it updated in real time, and, um, and you don't have a lot of stuff you don't want anymore. And other the, people don't have your information. That's really interesting. Now, what about, um, is there an API for that first app you mentioned where somebody who's creating a social media type site, instead of having mm -hmm. people create profiles on their site, even they could say, Hey, you're going to have an at profile from this company. And we basically just connect to that one. So, you know, you can trust them and it's secure and our site's going to allow the communication between these, but your data is safer this way where yeah. all your data, personal data is stored with this trusted privacy company. So that's the idea. That's awesome. Right? We're not there. We have to start bit by bit by bit, app by app. Uh, um, oh. And you need to have an app sign, which is kind of like your user identity in this new mm -hmm. space. And uh, so I'll give you the, the URL so you know where to go. Um, we're at atsign.com and that is spelled out. A T S I G N. Yeah, I'm there right now. Awesome. And I you know can't Google a yeah. actual ad sign. <laughs> yeah. This it is creates great. problems. Your company name creates problems mentally. Um, so I know Bill Gates is listening. Bill, go create this competitive <laughs> social media site. Use the ad sign to or buy them, do whatever, however you want to run it. Don't actually, they need to remain independent and trusted. Um, use them for all the profile information. Then you don't even have to worry about that whole part of the site. You just make the little interaction bells and whistles and stuff. Um, that's a really cool solution. I love what you guys have created. It seems like it actually enables the, and honestly, coming into this episode, I did not know that. I, apparently I didn't do my, my homework. Um, I, I didn't know that either. That's, but... that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, 
fantastic. This has been a great episode. I, I really hope uh, the listeners got some, some idea of what's going on in the state of privacy area. Yes, it's a total shit show. But there are companies like the at company, the takeaway, right? And people like Jory that are that are trying to help clean it up. I love the way you guys are doing it through competition, through creating other products that give via customer good- experience, no yeah. friction customer experience, right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean honestly, right. your app. I'm thinking about what it could be done with it to allow customer experience and still have the data and have them, like you guys say, own it. That's your whole purpose. That's. That's awesome, Jory. Um, thank you for coming on the show. You can find the listeners. You can find uh, her, her information, how to contact her and, and her company at the uh, If You Market site, ifyoumarket.com, and uh, find more information about this episode and about uh, Jory Desjardins, Desjardins there. <laughs> please, nice. uh, yeah, please share us on social media if you're not too afraid to go there now and uh, give us a good review on iTunes. And on behalf of Carla Joe Helms and the If You Market team and uh, Jory Desjardins of the At Company, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with privacy in mind, they will come. Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted high-quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000, like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.